on today's show. At the heart of the gospel is grace. And so a gospel-driven approach to productivity is going to be infused with grace. Grace towards others, so relationships, where you're affirming of people, friendly, you accommodate people's needs, and grace towards yourself, self-compassion. And sometimes the solution is actually to do less so that you, you aren't stressing yourself out. The limits we have, God made us limited creatures. So he doesn't expect us usually to try to go beyond our limits. Stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined as always here in the saddle with Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California, also with Bayseed, an exciting new church planting organization on the West Coast. And Scott, you're involved in a lot of cool stuff out there. Scott, how do you how do you have time, man? You're you're, you're pastoring. You do a podcast. You're uh, I think you're doing some adjunct teaching over at Gateway Seminary there now. You're working with refugees. We were just talking about that before we started recording, man. How do you find the time to do all of that? Yeah, I, I don't know. You made me tired thinking about it. But um, one, I've got an <laughs> amazing wife, and I've got a good team at our church, and. Uh, I don't know about you, but like when I get too much free time, I end up wasting time. <laughs> so I need help Same being here, brother, being a uh, focus and productive and actually staying, staying active in ministry keeps me a little bit focused, but I, I would happily suggest, you know, admit to the fact that I, I need to be a lot more efficient with my time. Mm. I'm, I'm not as efficient as you are, Alex. Well, I could improve, but I will tell you one thing that's helped me. I'm holding here in my very hands. If you're watching on video, you can see this. This is a copy of a book called What's Best Next by Matt Perman. And Matt Perman joins us here. Matt, who is Matt Perman and what is this book that I'm holding? Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Well, so who am I? Well, definitely a Christian first. And I grew up in Iowa, which was a wonderful place to grow up. And I apologize for my voice. I'm, I'm getting over a cold. And I started taking we my will forgive it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for forgiving me for something I have no control over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I started taking my faith seriously in college. And uh, I became a Christian before that, but I really started taking my faith seriously in college, got involved with great campus ministries and started learning theology and apologetics. And it was wonderful. And after college, moved up to study under John Piper at the Bethlehem Institute, which is a seminary program they were starting at the time, mm. and had a great time studying in that program and getting to know John Piper pretty well, going to Pizza Hut every Tuesday night for a couple of years because he, he would invite anyone who worked on staff to join him. And for some reason, not many people went. I think they <laughs> felt they were busy. And it was usually just me and one other guy and Piper and his family. And I asked him every theological question I could possibly think of, wanting to make the most of the time, the hardest questions I possibly could. And after seminary or while in the seminary program, I started working at the ministry Desiring God. And I saw the need to bring together business concepts and productivity concepts with theology and ministry in order to be effective in ministry. And for other reasons, too, which, which we will get to, like just understanding God better. I think by knowing how to get things done, we know more about God. 
because God mm-hmm. is the God who gets things done and who works. Amen. We'll give you a chance to take a glass of water if you if you need that real quick there, Matt. But first yes. of all, I, I feel the need to establish for the record that the chief end of pizza from Pizza Hut is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That needs to be established on the record. I'm sure you had conversations along those lines uh, over those those many good meals that you would describe there too. But for you, yes. one of the reasons I was initially drawn to your work as I was reading What's Best Next Number one, you talk a lot about missions. So yes, this is a personal productivity book, but its its focus is freeing us up for mission. And I want to get into that. Uh, but number two, you kind of occupy this space that you just described where you're, you're ministry, but you're also in web development and, and content development. You're, you're kind of doing all of it. And well, I, I'm developing content for ABWE. That resonated with me personally. I don't know if it resonates with everyone, but man, you're you're wearing a lot of different hats. And so for you, prior to discovering some of these principles, what was a typical day in your life in your ministry? And then what did it what what did it turn into after that point? Yeah, I definitely have a, a wide variety of interests. And that's one of the things that has always made it a big challenge to manage my time. There's always something I want to be doing. Hmm. And I invest a lot to learn how to do them well. So before I started learning these things, probably the best example is in college. It was in one sense sort of driven by my feelings. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, though that's not ideal because my feelings were, I want to study theology. I want to talk about theology with my friends. I want to go to this you know, ministry activity and stuff. But there was so much to do and to learn that it was really hard to plan it out. So a lot of it was driven by intuition. I guess that'd be a better word than feelings. Mm -hmm. But I was feeling like, hey, my life doesn't have a whole lot of structure. Like in college, you're only in class maybe 15, 18 hours a week, and then you got a lot of free time or discretionary time. And I worked in the summers, but not during the school year. So I felt like my life could have more structure. And then I got up and was studying at Piper Seminary and working at the ministry. And I worked a ton. I worked sometimes 80-hour weeks, 90-hour weeks, because there was so much to do. It was a nonprofit. There's not a lot of resources. So I would describe my life as working a lot, but enjoying it. And learning the principles of productivity, one of the things that helped me do was structure my activities so I could prioritize better and then start to learn how to dial back the quantity of work a bit so that I could not be working all the time. But that did take a while. And actually writing the book was in some ways the opposite of that because it was my first book and it involved so much research and so many new discoveries. It's called first time effects. So the first time you're doing something, mm. you don't have it figured out how to do it. Mm, right. And there's a lot of inefficiencies, which is actually a theme I talk about in the book is you do need to have a place for inefficiency. So help us understand the book. I, I have not yet read it, which I'm ashamed to admit, but help, help us understand what's the layout and what are you, what are you trying to accomplish in the book? Yeah. So missions is central to the purpose of the book. So I wrote the book really for the end state of glorifying God in all of life, especially with a focus on empowering people to go to the nations to 
speak the name of Christ so that people will come to faith and be built up in the faith and also to empower the senders so they can be better at doing that. So that's like the end goal of the book. And I talk about that in section seven, the last section of the book. And in order to be more effective at that, my thinking was in our current environment, complex technology, so much coming at us. And social media was on the rise when I was writing the book. And so there was more interruptions and opportunity to interact with people. Yeah. So it's like, we have to manage our time better in order to be more effective at missions. And missions as well as evangelism at home and social action, you know, all, all of that of a mix. And so all the book is driving towards that and sees learning how to manage your time as a way of being more effective in the broad biblical category of good works. And we can define good works as inclusive of the things you do every day, ordinary life, work, family, and those things done for the Lord and the good of other people. And then good works also includes the activities of evangelism, missions, social good, and discipleship, and all of that. And I, my thesis is if we learn productivity practices, we can get better at those mm. things. And more people will come to glorify God. Mm. That's great. I resonate with that. I, I love that. I mean, that's not a premise of most productivity books that you yeah. would ever pick up off the shelf. In fact, this is kind of an improvement on another system uh, called getting things done, right? Explain to us the yeah. context of this book in the world of literature on personal productivity. Yeah, such a good question. Getting Things Done is a very well-known productivity book by David Allen. It came out in about 2001 or 2002. And the main benefit of the book is it gives you an approach for organizing all this stuff that you have to do. When I first read the book, I thought, oh, this is really hitting the sweet spot because I didn't know how to organize my tasks well or define them, what they are. I mean, I was doing that, mm. but didn't know the skill of how to do it. And so the book gave me a good approach for that, and it, which it did for millions of people. And then there's other productivity books. One that influenced me is called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And there he argues, find a way to reduce your work down to four hours a week if possible, but as little as possible. And then you have all this time to do whatever you want. And I thought, okay, what if we just put a twist on that concept of instead of using the time we free up to just do whatever we want, using that to accomplish more of God's purposes. And what I saw in the productivity No collecting seashells in your spare time. <laughs> see, yeah, Piper's book, uh, Don't Waste Your Life, was a big influence because a lot yeah. of the productivity literature, it is focused on yourself. I don't totally mean that in a negative sense because uh, there is a... There's a place for thinking about ourselves, obviously, but a lot of it just stops there and doesn't see productivity as a means for service. And I thought this, this is a gap. I can bring that angle into the productivity literature and make it explicitly God-centered. And John Piper really helped me here because at first I, I wanted to write a productivity book for, the, for a secular audience. I thought that might reach more people and help more people. And Piper said, no, what are you doing? He said, you could write theology. You have a, you studied theology. You have an MDiv. Write this book for Christians. Make it explicitly mm -hmm. Christian. And I thought, I think you're right. 
And so Piper is really to credit for me making that decision to change course a bit and make this book explicitly biblical and write it for Christians with the hope, of course, that non-Christians are listening in and will find it helpful and maybe see Christianity in a new light and say, hey, Christianity has a lot more to offer about life. Maybe I need to think about it a little more deeply so that the book itself can be a means of evangelism, but in a different way, instead of here's the four spiritual laws and that's it. It's here's how Christianity shapes all of life. And if you think that's helpful and important, here's the central message of Christianity and the way of salvation and getting to know God. So when we get spaces in our life, something's going to fill them. So I'm curious as you're going on about, as you're, you're writing about this idea, have you found the gospel centered productivity? Has it actually freed you or others up for, for ministry and generosity or, and how, how do we keep from just letting that extra space just fill up with more wasted time? Yeah. Well, a couple of things that it does. So if we think of, think of freedom in a couple of different ways, there's peace of mind freedom from anxiety. Mm. And that's one of the first things gospel-driven productivity does. Instead of gospel-driven productivity being an approach that focuses on, I just have to drive myself really hard, get more done faster. It pulls back from that a bit and says, let's think about what the right things are to get done. Mm -hmm. And then let's realize, actually, we're usually more productive and more motivated when we're not hard on ourselves. So give yourself some slack. That's that's okay. And in fact, there's you know been research on this. Slack time can actually be good thinking time. And you become mm-hmm. more productive because you have the insights you need to mm-hmm. improve your work and great ideas to pursue. And then finding your peace of mind in Christ, in the gospel, as opposed to in how much you get done. So there's that peace that it brings. And then, yes, more freedom to accomplish important things for the advance of the gospel. And I do find that with your extra time, it is important to be deliberate in how you will use that. Or it is easy, like you were saying towards the beginning, to fill that up with just who knows what and to waste it. And so to, to have a deliberate approach So small cycles like schedule, like a plan, a a basic template for how you will spend various blocks of time in your week. So what are you going to do with your evenings? What's your approach to the evenings? Is it going to be maybe, hey, it's just go with the flow, but with my family doing, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever strikes us. And that's quality. That's productive. That's quality relationship time. So there's a lot to that. Or is it, are there tasks I want to get done? And if so, one thing is not overloading yourself. I'm very the type of person who can be like, oh, let's see. I can get six hours of tasks done tonight from 6 p.m. to midnight. All that time. Wonderful. Well, that's not necessarily realistic with energy levels, for example, and <laughs> interruptions. And so being realistic in how you template your week. And instead of saying, I got to be productive for six hours, yeah. from, you know, and tell me not be like, you know, maybe actually three hours is good mm. or maybe a routine of one hour a night dedicated to tasks. And then the rest mm. is free. 
and mm. you can you can wait waste some time that's okay because it does take a lot of energy to always be on task so just being mm-hmm. deliberate without having to be you know fully optimized mm. you know i appreciate the gracious tone of what you're saying right now and there's so much of this sort of professional development personal development literature that can just be really guilt inducing right oh i'm not yeah. doing it right and and it becomes the professional equivalent of yo-yo diets, right? And you you try to do a 12-hour productivity stint and you crash and burn, and I'm never going to try that again. One of the things that impacted me that stood out at me the most is that most productivity systems, or whether you have a system or not, they they don't have a category for for things that don't get done necessarily, right? And and they can create a lot of anxiety about like, well, what if something never falls onto my next actions list? What happens then? And you make a point earlier on in the book about the sovereignty of God is that part of approaching productivity in work, in ministry, in family, on mission is trusting the sovereignty of God. That if I, if I forget an action step from a meeting that I was in, God is sovereign. He, he can bring it to my mind or, or maybe it doesn't need to happen. You know, and, and, and maybe maybe that's a bad thing. And maybe I just need to forget and learn my lesson and remember to take better notes. But but in all honesty, I can lay my head on my pillow at the end of the day. You know, Psalm 127, right? He gives sleep to his beloved. You can do that yeah. because it doesn't all ride on you. It really is riding on God. And so mm-hmm. there's so much here in the book that I think would be really helpful for anyone but especially with missionaries, I want to drill down a little bit more here, Matt, because I can relate to what you're talking about. You know, a lot of the problems you're describing are people that are engaged in thought work, right? I can see how a, a person in an office setting or myself serving in a missions agency, Scott, pastoring, there's there's ways that I can relate to that. How would a missionary on the field employ some of what you put forward in this system of productivity and this philosophy and theology of productivity and what would be some of the the challenges that a missionary would face in trying to implement it? Yeah. So true. This is such an important question because I really want to help missionaries on the field. So here's a bit of a framework. Number one, it can seem obvious because why else are you a missionary, but be clear on your purpose. So it, that sounds so basic, but it is amazing how often this is overlooked. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere. I mean, so often, a lot of the basics are overlooked. We take them for granted. We think they will just happen or like they're by default. We, we have to be intentional about the basics. Okay, so purpose. Why are you there in missions? And of course, there's levels. There's a hierarchy. But the ultimate purpose, of course, is glorify God. That is the central reason. And then you can get more specific than that. Okay, so... You know, a, a business person is glorifying God in a certain way, and a pastor in one way, and a, a janitor in another way. And if you're in missions, your specific tasks are the next thing to define and say, okay, I'm here to help bring people to faith. What are the avenues through which I'm going to do that? And if you think in terms of the specific avenues, you need to be meeting people, obviously. How's that going to happen? Is it chiefly going to be through one-on-one meetings? Is it going to be through group endeavors? But define the avenues. And then in addition to meeting people, then there's sharing the gospel with them in whatever way you do that. But define these categories of tasks through which you are carrying out your work of missions. And then look at your week 
and create buckets in your week to carry out these tasks. Don't just leave them to chance. You, you don't got to plan out every second of your week. Think in terms of an eight-hour day even. And I know with something like missions, it can be easy to think, oh, just be doing it constantly. But, you know, uh, Wayne Grudem, the theologian, I interviewed him for the book. And he said when he was getting his PhD, he treated it like a nine-to-five job. And he stopped at five o'clock every day and his evenings were with his wife. I'm not saying never work at night, but I'm saying that is a helpful concept even to bring into missions work so you don't get burned out. Have a basic framework of, hey, this is my work I'm doing during the day. Mm-hmm. As much as possible, put stuff into that. Or if you prefer yeah. a different timeline, noon to nine at night or whatever. But have a standard set of so-called working hours and then fit your tasks within that framework. And that can keep you balanced. It doesn't mean you never do anything outside of those hours, but, and then know the deliverables. What are the activities you're doing? What are the intended outcomes? And I know it can sound a little artificial, but I think it can be helpful to even think in terms of numbers. It's not all about numbers. Don't let that become a weird, you know, focus. But that it gives you some direction to think in terms of, yeah. well, yeah. And so define those deliverables. And that helps you really be spending your time on the right things and be feeling a sense of progress. So what do you say to someone who's listening? I, I'm super relational. I, I like to bounce from relational task to relational task. And sometimes it gets frustrating because I'm not getting the things done I want to get done that I, I know I've got to get done. But you start looking at these. Scott, th- this is very accurate. <laughs> I know this to be true. <laughs> what do you know to be true, Alex? What do you know? Oh, it, you, you've you've had your your fair share of squirrel moments over the years. That's right. We love you. <laughs> you bring yeah. fun into my life. I I would rigidly do it all and plan it out and not have any other spare time for relationship. You balance me out, man. There are so many more people who are a lot more fun than me, and even less even less organized than I can tend to be. So, so when, when someone like me comes, so you claim trying to get a lot of stuff done and it gets overwhelming with all the different systems and stuff. What, what kind of encouragement would you give to, to those who feel overwhelmed with all these techniques and methods? They don't, their, their brain doesn't work like that, but they do understand the need. Like I want to, I want to fulfill the task God's given me. Where, where would you encourage them? How, how would you give them a word of encouragement? Yeah, I totally would. So I would be affirming of that. First thing I'd say for people who are relationally oriented, that is a good thing. I would just see Alex. I knew it. It was good. Affirming that. So God designed us for relationships and a helpful framework actually from the world of management is we have to think in two categories, relationships and tasks, both Mm -hmm. matter and relate. That means, especially when you think of this biblically, relationships are productive. So we need to make sure we have a broad enough definition of productivity. Productivity Mm -hmm. does not just mean the tasks Mm -hmm. we get done, emails Mm -hmm. written or even sermons preached or whatever. Relationships Mm -hmm. are also a component of productivity. And Mm -hmm. a big part of relationships is unstructured, and that's okay. What we're looking for is not a completely structured life, but a balance. How much Mm -hmm. should be structured? how much right. can be unstructured. And it's going to be different. Even a relational person. person feels stressed when I feel like, Hey, I let somebody down. They didn't return their call when they expected me to, or I forgot yes. something that people were expecting me. That actually hurts the relationship because I'm not able to build it the way I want to. Cause I was not paying attention to my schedule. 
So true. Exactly. And that's how like dealing with tasks well and organizing them and doing them with discipline helps relationships. And then, you know, what's often overlooked relationships also help with task accomplishment. You know, mm-hmm. if you are always yep. mean to people, they, for example, will not want to cooperate well in accomplishing tasks. True. So these things both have to go together and it's good. It's important. And it's okay to let some tasks go for the sake of relationships. You know, one thing, the approach of David Allen, getting things done can incline people towards is this hyper-focus on tasks. You end up with these really long lists and most people don't want to live their life that way. That's okay. So I tried to develop my book for people who didn't want to overload themselves with all these lists and systems. I get, I give a lot of process and systems in there, yeah. but it's so you can pick and choose and do what works for you and not judge yourself negatively. Self-compassion is really important because, you know, gospel driven productivity. So at the heart of the gospel is grace. And so a gospel driven approach to productivity is going to be infused with grace, grace Mm -hmm. towards others. So relationships where you're affirming of people friendly, you accommodate people's needs and grace towards yourself, Mm self-compassion. And sometimes the solution is actually to do less so that you, you aren't stressing yourself out. The limits we have, God made us limited creatures. So he doesn't expect us usually to try to go beyond our limits. We can accept our limits and in his sovereignty, be okay with that. And for missionaries more than anyone else, they're going to be inclined to feel that pressure, to feel the sense of a watching world. Jesus is watching. My church is watching. My teammates are watching. The locals are watching. And sure, maybe there's some who really do need to kick it into higher gear and and get to work. But I think for so many, they need that grace. And not only do they need to feel grace and and know how to put it to bed and how to sleep at night and how to trust God, but then also how to to wake up and hustle the next day with purpose, not just with a lot of furor and activity, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. but with real intentionality, knowing the big picture that they're trying to achieve. So Matt, I've been very blessed by this book. So you can go to what I'm going to buy the book. I'm going to buy the next book. You guys convince com. me. Yeah, uh, you should, you should Scott. Yeah. Actually, I listened on audio. So the, here's the downside. I just, you know, if, cause if you're listening to this, chances are you're a podcast person, which means you might be an audio book person, right? The downside of listening on audio is that you don't get to see visually how the different parts of the system are laid out and, and, and how you would structure, you know, vision statements and calendars. Would and it offend like you if people bought both the audio book and a hard copy or Kindle version, Matt, would that, would that be offensive to you? That's the way to do it. Okay. All right. That's (laughs) the second, that's the next book coming out. How to buy both. (laughs) Yes. Maximize by profit. Kind of like how to read a book, how to listen to a book. That'll be your next publication. So help Matt out. He made a decision to bless the Christian community rather than making a lot of money uh, in the uh, secular book world. So, you know, buy both of them. That's right. That's right. Support a brother. So go to your website. Where else should they go, Matt? Anything else you want them to, uh, to take a look at? Yeah. My website, whatsbestnext.com on my productivity blog posts going back, oh, probably 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And we offer coaching. I'm not doing a whole lot of coaching right now because my job requires a lot. And then I also have another website, mattperman.com. That's where a lot of my theological articles 
are posted. So feel free to check that out as well. That's M-A-T-T-P-E-R-M-A-N.com or whatsbestnext.com. Matt, thanks for coming on and I uh, hope your throat feels better soon, but we appreciate you uh, working yes, through indeed. it and joining us. I uh, hope this is a great blessing for everyone. Hope it's been a blessing for you. Thanks for watching great. and listening. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To get more from the Missions Podcast, go to missionspodcast.com. And to learn more about ABWE, you can go to abwe.org. You can partner with the show at missionspodcast.com slash support, and we would value that highly, and thank you for your partnership. Uh, but if you really want to help get this content in front of others, as always, do all the podcast things, like, share, subscribe. You know the drill, but that really does help more people discover the show. Well, until next week's episode, have fun being productive, and thanks for watching. Bye-bye.